Alright, so in case you were not here last week, um, we began uh, a short series on work, on that thing that we do that most people would consider to be not much fun, um, but we, we talked about the fact that God created work, that from the very beginning, we looked at Genesis 1, 2, and, and Genesis 3, that from the very beginning that God created work, and he created it, and it was good, and it was something that he designed us to do as we are made in his image, and that was all prior to sin entering the world. But once sin did enter the world, we saw that our relationship to our work, the ways that we work, was drastically altered, that... Um, our relationship with work is now, is now broken in the term of that now work is difficult, work is burdensome, work is, is hard. And that it's not just our work, but it's even our perception of work that now is altered. Like we, we see work as some burden, as some difficult thing that we're just stuck doing. We also saw that, that we have a hope as Christians, we have hope that, it, that, our, that our hope, that our meaning is not tied up just in our work that we do, in our day-to-day labors, that, that we have a hope that God is making all things new. We, we looked at Revelation and saw that there's a day when, when God does make all things new and that, that how that impacts our work, how that impacts the day-to-day. If there was any, if there was a big take-home in any way to last week, this is what I would have wanted it to be at least. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read this. That God perfectly created work and perfectly created mankind to work. That work glorifies God in the way that we are, wait, sorry. Work glorifies God and that we are doing what he has created us to do. Maybe I should have said it and not read it because that didn't work out too well. But in this, that we are worshiping in the way that we are resembling him. As he is, as a creator God, as we are made in his image, that the way that we work is, is an act of worship. And that's kind of what we established last week, hopefully, that, that the way that we're obedient in our work is, is worship, being what God created us to be. And I said last week, we kind of dug into five, to five things about why why work is important. And we went through the first three that I kind of briefly summarized. But this week, we're going to look at the, the, the I say smaller. I hope they're not, hopefully they're not seen as smaller, but the smaller reasons about why we work, how our work, specifically work as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is going to have different motives than, than much of the world. That our reason for working is going to just look different, um, at least the motives behind it. But, but that being said, I say smaller reasons. The, the overall reason why we work really is that it's an act of worship, being obedient to, to how God has created us to, to work, how that was created as a good thing. So that is kind of the umbrella that all of this sits under. I don't want to treat these as smaller, but kind of within the same umbrella of why we work. Go ahead and flip to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Um, that's where we're going to at least spend a lot of our time. Last week we were in Genesis, and now we're in Thessalonians. But one thing that I established last week, or, or tried to establish at least, was that work, when I keep talking about work, it's not tied 
directly to that work has to be paid employment, or work has to be full-time, or work has to be something that provides an income. That to be a full-time mom is absolutely work. To be uh, a full-time student is absolutely work. That, that work is going to look different for us in different times of our lives. That it's, it's going to look different. But another thing that, that, I, that I, I touched on very briefly last week was that because of the structure of the world, because of the world that we live in, this, kind, this type of work is often going to look like paid employment. That, that's, that's the way that, that the culture works. That's the way that much of our world runs. But it's not something that's, that's a modern thing. This is not something new. That this has always been the way that the world works. And we, we're going to see this in um, Paul's day in 2 Thessalonians here. That, that as we're created to work, this is often going to be for provision. This is also often going to be in, in, in obedience in providing for ourselves. I'm just, let's go read um, 2 Thessalonians 3. I'm just going to read 6 through 12, just a, a short section here. Paul says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the transition, uh, tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor do we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some, of you, some among you are walking in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So, um, what we see is Paul read, Paul's talking about specific people in the church. Um, there is, he's writing to the Thessalonians. As I studied and looked into, the, looked into this, a lot of people have said that he was that just based on the context of 2 Thessalonians, that he was writing to these people who were looking forward to the return of Jesus, that they were so ready for that that they had kind of stopped working, they had stopped doing everything else of this world because they were looking forward to Jesus coming back. I, I think that's definitely a plausible. That is definitely, that could be something he's talking about. But um, I don't know that we can necessarily know that for sure. Um, but what we can know is that Jesus, um, that Paul in the words of Jesus, is saying, is talking to people who are not working, that are not providing for themselves. But, he may, but it sounds like these people are people who are able to be doing this, and they're not. He says, don't walk in idleness. Don't stop working. Keep doing what you saw us doing. Keep, doing, keep playing a part in the tradition that we left you. So, the tradition that he left them. Uh, you don't have to flip there. I'm going to go through this really fast. But... Acts 18, 1 through 4, is when we first kind of see this established. After, it'll be up on the screen. He said, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. 
So we, we see Paul as a tent maker, as, as that being his profession, that, that being what, how he paid the bills in, in, in his day to day. And then we see him again in, in, the letter to the fir- in his first letter to the Thessalonians, verse, chapter 2, verse 9, he says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we not, might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. So Paul, wearing all these hats, preacher, missionary, tent maker, worker, all these things Paul embodied. But he did this so that he could provide for himself, so that he would not become a burden to anyone else. But something he points out in 1 Corinthians is that he had this right, that as an apostle, as a preacher, he had the right to be paid for those services, but that he was not making use of that right. And he goes on to say that it's because, so he'll put nothing in the way of the gospel. But he's saying that he left a tradition. Yeah, I got distracted. Uh, He left a tradition because of showing them, this is how you should follow. This is how you should model after what I'm doing, that I'm working to provide for myself. I'm working so that other people don't have to provide for me. That is the tradition that he's talking about here in 2 Thessalonians. Let's look at verse 7 and 8 in chapter 3 that we just read. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor do we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. So this morning, a lot there, there's definitely some sensitive subjects, I guess, that that I'm going to talk about, that this whole topic is a very sensitive subject because I mentioned last week, just with, with our relationship with work, that there's people who absolutely struggle to provide, struggle to work. There's, there's people who have worked all their lives and it's come very easy almost because of, of their background and their upbringing and their education. There's others that have, have an awful experience with work and have not worked. And so I know that some of this could be hard for some people, um, but, but, but just bear with me. I hope that I see the, the truth of the gospel and how that impacts us even in, in all of those different scenarios. Because one of the reasons we work is to provide for ourselves and our families. Like this is what Paul's saying. I work, I toil night and day. I don't eat bread without paying for it. I toil night and day so I don't become a burden to any of you. And he's modeling this while he's in full-time ministry. He's modeling this as he is a preacher of the gospel, but that he's toiling night and day. Like, he's telling the church, he's telling Thessalonians to mimic him in this, to imitate him in this. And and we're going to look at the spoiler alert for next week a little bit, but all of this, we're going to see that all of us are called to full-time ministry. If you are a Christian, if you call yourselves a a believer of Jesus, you are a full-time gospel minister, that you are called to that full-time ministry. So, so, we have, so we have a model to imitate. We have something to follow in Paul here. But work has always been about provision. Like, I mean, even if you look back to um, Genesis, we see that, that we, we established this last week, but that God created man, he created woman, he made them in his image, that, and he said he put them in the garden to work it and to keep it. And he said he provided them with, with the fruit of the trees to, to have. 
But even that, I don't think the, this is, the Bible doesn't specifically say this, but I don't think the fruit magically appeared in front of them on their plates to eat. Like, he provided them with that, but then part of their work was to provide that food for the table. God's ultimately providing, but it's not that they're not playing a part in it. They're still working as a part of that. But that, again, was the same, fall, was the same before the fall, before sin entered the world. So work from the very beginning was always as a means of provision. But something I think is important to note, just talking about this, I think that this is something, working to provide for your family, to provide for yourself, for your family, is something specifically for married couples, I think is something that is done as husband and wife, is done as a unit, as being made one. And I say this because there's a situation where maybe one spouse is working full-time, Another spouse is staying at home, taking care of the kids, taking care of the household. Like, this is a husband and wife working together to, to provide for a family, to provide for a household. I, don't, I, wouldn't say, I would say not one of those roles is more important than the other. One spouse working full-time, another spouse going to school full-time. That is a husband and wife working together to provide, to meet needs. It doesn't necessarily, I don't think it necessarily means that both spouses have to be working full-time, that that relationship, they're doing that together. The same goes for students. Like, as, as a student at any level, whether you're um, in kindergarten, whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, any form of education is you working to provide. Uh, the, the monetary side of that's going to come later, unfortunately, but you're still working now to provide I say all this to, to say it's th this, this working is going to look different at different stages of life. It's going to look different for someone who's retired. It's going to look different for someone in school. It's going to work different for someone, for an able-bodied person in the workforce. It's going to look different for all of us. But so many people now, like, I mean, I say so many people, we often desire others to do the work and then we just get the benefits of it. We, we want to be provided for instead of working instead. I mean, we've all, at some point, I'm sure you've made the joke, man, I wish I could win the lottery so I wouldn't have to work. Man, I wish someone would just give me a million dollars so I wouldn't have to work. But, but in all seriousness, people are, there's people that are, that are living lives trying to do that so they don't have to work. Like that, their source of work, their source of trying to receive income is gambling, or maybe it's lottery. That, that's, that's how they're trying to provide for themselves. Some people per, would prefer to, to just seek a handout. Some people would, would prefer to steal. Others would prefer to rely forever on, on assistance from others, whether it's churches, whether it's friends or family, whether it's even government. That, that is the long term, to, to not work. I don't want to work, so I'm going to rely and let other people do this for me. And by doing any of these, by seeking those as end-all goal, like we're missing one of the primary functions of work and how God designed it as a means of provision. Paul is saying, this is why he toiled night and day to provide for himself. 
as we transition into the kind of the second point here, I want to emphasize something that I think is going to be very, very important for us to understand. Um, the last thing I mentioned was like there's some people that, that choose to, to live off of to live off of receiving help. And I want to establish that receiving help is not a bad thing. That there is so many programs that are designed to help people in genuine need. Government, churches, nonprofit organizations, people who are very generous with their time and with their money, and those are really, really good things. So I, I don't want anyone to hear this morning that by, taking, by making use of those services that, that you're in the wrong, because that is not at all the case. But what I, what I am talking about, what Paul is talking about here in Second Th- Thessalonians, are people that could be working, that could be providing for themselves, but they're not. They could be, but they're not. He's not talking about people that, are, that, are having a, that have a strong worth ethic and, and they're working their butt off to provide but are, but are coming up short, are, are still struggling to provide. That's not the type of people that he's talking about here. He's not talking about that, that person who's been searching for work for months or years and, and been actively searching for that and is unable to find that and is struggling to provide in that way. That's not the type of people that he's talking about. But this type of assistance, this type of help, is to help, is to help people who are, are having difficulty meeting their needs. But that should not be our desire. That our desire, big picture, should be to, to work, to provide. Because that, that's what Paul is telling them. Work to provide for yourself, for, for your family. And, I mean, this is one way I think that the, the church should be about helping others that, that, that are in this situation, specifically those within our church. Like, if there's people who are struggling to meet needs, there's people that are struggling, in whether it's for one month or whether it's for years, they're actively struggling, we as the church should be trying to help. And that, not, not just in terms of giving money, but trying to help in, in, in many ways. But even in that moment, I think part of the role, and not necessarily like of, the, of the role of the church, but as a fellow believer, is trying to help that person be able to provide for themselves. I think that is a huge thing that is neglected in, the, not saying the church, but in society. And, and, and teaching people I mean, there's that one phrase, whatever it's called, like, teach a man to fish, or that whole, everybody knows that one. Um, I'm not even going to try to repeat it. But, like, I think that's something that we miss. Because, like, teaching someone to provide, enabling them to provide for themselves, provide for their family, provide for those that they're responsible for. But assistance is needed, absolutely. But, but teaching people to, va- to value work, to value prov- providing is really, really big. Um, again, that's staying down there. Sorry, Nick. You have no idea what has happened to you. Never, that's yours, actually, Tori. Um, so this is kind of a personal example. Um, when I was in high school, um, my father lost his job. Um, the only job that I had ever known him to have that he had worked since he graduated college um, and at that moment, a lot of things changed. I mean, I went from having what I, I felt like 
hey, if I needed new shoes, we went to the mall and got new shoes. If, I, if we had needs, they were very easily met. And I, I took a lot for granted prior to this. But then when this happened, everything changed. All of a sudden, I realized, wow, there's not a whole lot of money coming in. Wow, we're going to need help. I really do think that my parents did an amazing job of kind of shielding my sister and I from feeling the stress of this over um, those nine or ten months where my dad was unemployed. Um, and during that time, like, assistance was needed. Like, government, like, my dad collected unemployment for a while. Like, we received help from the church, as not just monetarily, but the church, like, helped us. Like, there was a situation where assistance was needed. And, and I, so I don't want to say that, that just because for a, for a time that a man or a woman or a family is unable to provide, that doesn't mean that, there's a fa- that somebody failed. That doesn't mean that, that you're somehow that, that you're wrong and being unable to provide or accepting assistance, whether it's government or through the church. Like, that's not the point in this. But the whole time, there was people helping my father look for a job. Like, that was a huge, people coming alongside and, and, and pointing him to different, in different directions. He, I remember him spending days looking for jobs, like sitting in front of a computer or, or going out and about looking for a job, seeking to provide, but during that time, receiving assistance, receiving help when that was needed. But I think it's, it would be very easy in that situation I'm very thankful that I I didn't receive, like, this is not what my parents taught me. But I think it would be very important, it'd be very easy during that time to see that help coming in in from various avenues and say, wow, it's a lot easier to receive that type of help than it would be to to, to search for work and to work. Like, my needs are being met. We We had food on the table, we still had a car, we still had a house. Like, my needs are being met. I'm just going to let, pe- let other people continue to do that for me. I think that would have been very tempting. And I think that's something that's, that's dangerous today is to see, wow, my needs are being met by other people working and not desire to provide for ourselves and not have that desire. Not, not that it's always going to be easier, that we're always going to be able to do it, but that also that we would accept assistance when that is needed. Because I, I do think, and this is something that Paul's talking about. He says the reason he worked was to provide. But what, but what does he say in verse 7? With toil and labor, sorry, that's verse 8. With toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We work so that we might not become a burden to others. And I would say, if there is need happening, if there is need that has arisen in any way, asking for help is not a burden. I, please, 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 that is my biggest fear that that is what is heard, because that's not the case. Like, asking for help, I think, is a huge sign of humility, and we can knock down our pride and ask for help when that's needed. But to continue to rely on that when it's not needed, but just because we don't want to work hard, I think that's when we become a burden to others. Because other people are doing that work. Other people are working hard for us, so we don't have to. And it's these type of people that Paul is talking about. 
Like in verse 6, he refers to them as idle, walking in idleness. But in verse 11, he calls them busybodies. So it's, he's not just talking about people who are sitting on the couch doing nothing, but he's talking about people who are out doing lots of stuff, but doing lots of stuff that's not providing for their families. And I think there's a temptation to do lots of good things, lots of church activities, lots of not even bad things. But if we're doing all those things and not providing, not, not, not seeking to meet our needs and letting other people do that, I think that's also what Paul is referring to here. Being able, but allowing other people to do it for you. And Paul, that's what Paul is doing. He's given a positive example of this. Even though he had the right to be paid for his gospel ministry, he said, I'm not making use of that right, but I'm going to toil and labor, work hard to meet my needs. Again, it's my biggest fear this week, and my heart is really kind of hurt this week preparing, because I don't want what to be heard is that we should never ask for assistance. We should never, we should feel like a failure if we can't provide. Because that's not at all what the point of this is saying. Like, it's bigger than that. It's not, it's not talking about a two-month time frame that we're struggling and that we don't have a job and we're looking for work. And It's not talking about that. Paul is talking about something so much bigger than that. A, a desire to work. A desire to provide. And, and a desire that leads to action. I mean, it's not just because there's a, a two-month time frame of needing assistance, like praise God that, that he is providing through that assistance. If it's a 10-year time frame of you actively searching for work and seeking to provide and still being unable to, praise God like that the, the provision is still coming. It's not, he's talking about it's such a bigger picture than that, bigger picture than any struggle to provide. And I, I, and I want to encourage us all that if there's times of need, like, ask for help. Like, that's how we as the church can act as a family, is act as the body of Christ to have all things in common, to meet one another's needs. And like, that's, that's honestly the third reason why, like, we should work, is to not, not only meet our needs, but to be able to meet the needs of others. Like, we should want to work hard to meet the needs of others. Flip over to Acts 20 just for a second. In the last half of Acts 20, we see Paul talking to the elders in Ephesus. He's kind of, he's pointing back to his ministry and saying, this is how I walked among you. This is the, the way that I went about my ministry when I was among you. But listen to what he says. It starts, I'm going to start in verse 33. I'll give you just a second. He says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands, he's talking about his own hands, minister to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. He's saying that while he was with them, while he was working hard, he says this numerous times about how hard he was working, he wasn't doing this just to meet his needs. He did that. But then he was working hard to meet the needs of others that couldn't provide, that, that were struggling. 
But this is very contrary to, to like what the world says about why we should work. Like commercials on TV don't teach this. Like work, look at this new car you can buy with your money. Seek to make more money so you can buy a bigger house. Seek to buy more money so you can go on that vacation. Seek to, buy, to, to have more money. Did I say buy more money? Okay. If you find out how to do that, let me know. But um, seek to earn more money so that you can have this or that. Buy the new tablet. Buy the new phone. Buy more stuff. Like that's what the pressure that we face of everyone else. But what if we as the church wanted to earn more money, but it was to, maybe, I, I wish I could earn more money. I, I desire to, to earn more, to make more, so that I can give more away. I seek to make more money so I can tithe more to the church. I, I seek to make more money so I can help the family down the street that God has placed me next to. What if that was our desire, to meet the needs of others? We work to provide for ourselves, to, to meet needs. But what if other people's needs came before once we get into our wants and our desires and our, the nice things that we like? And I'm not at all talking about not buying nice things. That, that's not the point. That's totally besides the point of this text. That's not at all what I'm talking about. But what if we sought to meet the needs of others with the money that we earn, the way that we work hard. Like, with this, God has really kind of convicted me of this over the past week as I've been thinking about this, over the past couple weeks as I've been kind of looking at this big picture. It's like, what is my desire in earning money? What is my desire in having a job to provide? Is it just to, be, to best improve the situation of my family? Is, is that my own desire? Is that my only desire? Or is it to be able to help out a neighbor? Is it the ability to help out a fellow person in the church? Is it, is it that why we're desiring to work hard? And I, I felt like that, that hasn't been me. This is what Paul is encouraging the elders in Ephesus with. And I think that's what he's kind of, that's what, he would encourage us with. But even in all of this, in, in working to provide, in, in working to not be a burden, to work, in working to try to meet the needs of others, like all of it is for naught if it's not centered on the gospel. If it's not centered, if we don't know why we're doing that, if we're just doing that to be good, if we're just doing that because that's what we think we should do, I mean, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that say, hey, if you have lots of money, here's this charity or this charity because that's what you should do if you have lots of money. To be a good person, that's what you have to do is you have to help others. You have to, to use a little bit of your excess to, to give to others. But if we're not centered on the gospel in this, we don't understand why it is that we're doing this, I, I think it's pointless. I mean, all of this, all of our working to provide is all because God has already provided. and He's shown all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament and forward, His provision for His people. 
I mean, right after, we talked about Genesis 3 last week, right after man and woman, as, they, as, as sin entered the world, God provided them clothes. For, for Abraham, we see him provide a ram. For, for Moses, he provides his signs and the parting of the Red Sea. For the Israelites, we see him provide food on a daily basis, meeting the needs of his people. Like the provision that we see God providing his people with, like God has already provided. But remember, big picture here. God has created us to work. He's created us in his image to, to bear his image in that way. And I truly believe that one of the ways that he provides for us is the ability that he's given us to work. He has provided that opportunity for us. He has provided for us in equipping us and in giving us that ability. But what Paul is saying in Acts and Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians 9 when he's talking about this is it's all for the sake of the gospel. That's why he says he's not making use of the right to, to be paid because he doesn't want to put anything in the way of the gospel. That all of it is, a, so as he's taking the gospel, as he's trying to, to minister to people, as he's reasoning with the Jews and the Greeks and the synagogues, as we saw in um, Acts, like all of that's for the sake of the gospel. In his ministry, he's working hard to provide because it's crucial for his ministry. He's trying to meet the needs of others because it's crucial for his ministry, for his preaching of the gospel. He's taking the gospel of Jesus, the, the message of good news, the message that, that Christ died to redeem people for himself, to, to save sinners. He's taking that gospel to people and doing everything he can to put nothing in the way. He's meeting his own needs. He's providing for others for the sake of the gospel. so that others would be saved, so that others would know him. Like, that is Paul's motivation in all of this. All through Paul's letters, you see, he says, Jesus is my motivation, that Jesus is his reason, that he, that he counts everything as a loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. So, in your current life season, like think about where you are right now in, in whatever, a student, worker, not working, retired, I don't think we have anybody retired, whatever your current season of life is, like where, where, where does God have you? Has, has God placed you in a position where you can provide for yourself, where you're providing for yourself and your family and, and you're able to provide for your needs? Like, do you praise him enough for that? Do you thank God enough that he has given you that ability? That he has put you in a place where you can do that? I know that I don't thank God enough for that. Like, do, are we thankful? Are, do, we, do, do we worship because of that? Does that lead us to praise him? I would, if that's where you're at, pray Pray that God would show you avenues by which you can use the way that, you, that the money you earn, the way that you can provide. How are you using that to also provide for others? How are we using that as the church to help provide for others? 
are, are you truly seeing your work as worship, as you seek to provide, is that as worship? What, what if you're in a situation where you're like, how can I do that when I'm struggling to, to, to meet ends meet? I, I, how am I supposed to provide for someone else when I'm struggling to provide for myself? I mean, first of all, I'd say praise God for what you do have. Praise God that, that currently that you're here that you're alive, that, that you've had food to eat. Like, even if you're struggling, God has provided. And I, I don't think it's wrong to pray that God would give you the ability that w- w- in whatever way, if it's finances, if it's energy, if it's possessions, whatever it is, praying for God to give you that so you can best help others. I, I don't think that's a bad prayer. That's a bad desire to be able to help others. But maybe you're here thinking, wow, this hasn't always been me. That, like that, uh, working to provide, working to be able to provide and then meet the needs of others, that hasn't always described you. I, I know that a lot of people wrestle with this, that, that there's often shame and, and guilt because of this, uh, struggling to provide for any reason. The gospel says Jesus died for you so that you might not be ashamed because of this. The, 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 the gospel saves you from your shame. The gospel gives you hope that, that your identity is not wrapped up in that. That, that Christ died to give you a new life. A life that is lived for his glory in the way that you image him. But just because that might have defined our past doesn't mean that it defines us going forward. Like the gospel says new life, like that doesn't mean everything's easy. It doesn't mean everything that we're all of a sudden, oh, now it's easy to provide. Now it's easy. We have all of our needs and wants and desires. That's not this new life, but a new life that is identity with Christ, that that, that is how we are defined. We're not defined by a job status. We're not defined by our abilities. We're not defined by our income. We're not defined by... Having to ask for help, we're not defined by those things that are that our, our identity is with Christ. If if that is where our hope is, if if our if your hope is in Jesus, then that is where your identity is. Like if this is convicting, like. Just, just pray that God would give you a growing desire to work, that God would give you a growing desire to provide. Again, it's not always easy. It doesn't always come super smooth. But I, that, that goes for all of us, that, that God would grow in us this desire. Pray that God would continue to show us the avenues where we can best do this. How does God want to use you in the way that you work for his glory in providing for yourself and providing for your families and providing for others and being the church and, and having all things in common? But then do you praise God enough for how he has provided for you?
in the small details, in the things that we take for granted? But do you praise God enough that what he provided for you was something that only he could provide? That, that, that if you are saved, that God provided salvation and did something that you could never do? Like, do we praise him enough for this? Do you praise him enough for this? And if you're not saved, like, do you understand that, that God has, as we've, we talked about this back in Matthew, he was the one that it was offended by our sin. But it was the offended that made it right. It was the offended that paid the price. It was the offended that sought reconciliation. And that through Jesus, we can be reconciled. And it all goes back to like, is our desire to continually be made more like Jesus? Like that, that's my biggest prayer, I guess, for myself, but for us. That, that God will continue to, to make us more and more like Jesus. In the way that we share the gospel. In the way that we work. In the way that we image God. In the way that we are doing the things that God has created us to do. Like, we have a hope because of the gospel. We have a hope knowing that our identity is with Jesus. So as you pray about this, as you think about this, as you continue to look at the words that Paul writes, the God's word that he's given us, I just ask that you pray and ask God to show you how to best do that. How, how, how to best glorify God in your work. And I know there's a lot of difficult situations, and I'm not saying it's a cookie-cutter answer for everyone. But if anybody is like, man, like, I want to know what this looks like in my life. I want to I know what this looks like in my situation. Like, I hope those are conversations that we can have as a church, as SCGs, as individuals. But I hope that we can see how us, again, going back to the very beginning, going back to last week, we as image bearers glorify God as we worship in our work. I pray that God would grow this desire within us. Let's pray.